Now stay here and keep out of trouble. Welcome to the Brick City Blockade Podcast. There's the blockade. Join Robin Vogt and Sean Michaud. The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant next to the power of the Force. As they break down that galaxy far, far away. Oh my stars, I've never been so busy before. It seems Christmas arrives sooner each year. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Krypton Comics Pop Culture here in downtown Exeter, New Hampshire. Happy holidays here from the entire Brick City Blockade podcast network crew. I had a funny feeling Brian would throw in the Santa voice in there, but we're just going to kick it over to the collecting guys to start this thing off to talk about what's been going on in a galaxy far, far away of collecting. Oh, collecting. Uh... Well, I wish there was more. I wish there was more. Um, no, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Last Jedi, a um, couple waves of Hasbro three and three quarter inch, um, Black Series Wave fifteen. I think is coming out with uh, DJ and uh, several other new characters, uh, character figures. The new Ray. Yep, the new Ray. That's right. Island Journey. Yep, lots lots of stuff. I mean, there's um, Hot Toys. Hot Toys. Yeah, we got some stuff on the site about all the new. Releases about, you know, Luke Skywalker's out there. You know, the Kylo Ren's been out there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. They just showed the new Princess Leia, yep. or Leia Organa, yep. from her appearance in The Last Jedi. Stunning. Like, those figures are just amazing. Oh, yeah. I don't want to get on a tangent about that. But, yeah. <laughs> no, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And, I mean, obviously, you know, by the time most of the people listen to this, the holiday's probably already going to come and go. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a good time. We just had a little... Brick City Blockade Yankee Swap with no swapping. <laughs> <laughs> James was pretty happy with his. Uh, yeah. We just were talking about that before we hit record. That's going to get ripped on a computer when I get home. And, and you're welcome. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sean Thank coming you. through Last with the John Jedi, Williams uh, soundtrack. Yep. Who would have thought? Not that exactly directly pursuant to the conversation we had before this started. <laughs> <laughs> just seems to be a lot of different stuff when it comes around to. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi here at the Podcast Network. Um, I think, really, I mean, all of us have seen it now, um, which is awesome. I've seen it a couple times. Sean, have you? I've seen it once. Once. I probably will need to see it again. Twice. Twice. Just one time for me. One time for you. I'm going to be seeing it for the second time on Thursday. Ah, perfect. So a couple of viewings for at some point here for most of us. Yeah, I mean, I think that the big conversation is... And we've been talking about it countlessly on Facebook Live uh, streams and with the Rebel Chatter guys from Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to them. Thank you so much for everything and becoming part of the Brick City Blockade podcast network. We love everything that Caden and Jake Stetler are doing. And Caden and I were talking about The Last Jedi on our latest live stream that we did. And it's so great because we have everybody here at Krypton Comics uh, to discuss this. But... Sean, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Your thoughts on The Last Jedi, because obviously online has their own little opinions about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, a lot of opinions. And spoilers. And We're going to talk so, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. There's going to be yeah. some spoilers in here, guys, so good time to stop it right Proceed now. Proceed with caution. Happen. There was a exactly. lot of love for this movie and a lot of hate for this movie for for online, but for me, I I honestly liked it. I didn't like love it, love it. There was some parts of the movie that could have been... Uh, Worked, tweaked out a little bit better. 
I was sometimes some of it I was disappointed, but overall I think it was really cool, different experience. I think, and that, that, that's what Ryan Johnson was trying to get at, get a different experience. It's character film. I mean, I think for me, uh, seeing it the first time, uh, and I unfortunately I didn't disclose anything we talked about in any podcast, but I knew a lot of what was going <coughs> to happen in the film before I even sat down. So I think that knowledge allowed me to kind of soak in the experience a little bit differently than if you're like oh my god look at all these things that are happening uh the plot in itself is actually rather simplistic it's easy to follow i took my six-year-old son uh last weekend to go see it and uh the weekend before and he followed along at the end of the movie he's like oh this is what happened and i was like well there you go it's not that complicated uh, it's a character film and and they he ryan johnson i think has gotten a little bit of criticism for you know maybe the plot and, and some of the different things that maybe for fans feel like it doesn't work but they enriched every single character and, and i think for me two things that actually put this atop as my favorite star wars movie out of all of them at this point after two viewings is the fact that we learn that our heroes aren't perfect that people make mistakes and they're not to be put up on a pedestal even somebody as cool as luke skywalker mm. and i was and one of the reasons why i did go into full spoiler mode at one point because I had heard something regarding Luke Skywalker and I, I needed to know as a huge Luke Skywalker fan and eventually maybe did it ruin the experience for me I don't think so I, I don't think it did at all it's still part of the experience in it but they perfectly ended his arc and there's something I don't know if I've shared it on our Brick City fan page or not yet but there was an article that Joseph Campbell the you know the, the hero's journey based, this morning there's always the ascension you know going on the journey and trials and tribulations all that other stuff but the ending part of the journey is you know again you you know you go through regret you know part of the part of the plot dealt with that and fans are like don't don't do that to Luke Skywalker. You know, he had a moment of weakness, but ultimately in the end, you know, I think he, I just, I, I thought I would have an issue with what they did, but it just, it was, it was a perfect ending. I sobbed like a baby the second time <laughs> with the whole entire ending and the, the, the twin sunset again. Mm -hmm. That was a great effect they did. I'm pretty sure Octu doesn't have two sons, but you know, with the, you know, the, the mirror image there, mm -hmm. lost it. Chris, <laughs> sorry to fall, you have to follow that. No, one. I know, I know. It's a tough, tough follow there. No, <laughs> no. I feel, ex I, f I think you and I are on a pretty similar plane as far as you know feelings of the movie go. Um, I loved it. Uh, first and foremost, I was thoroughly entertained. I felt like I was in the movie. I, it was the thing I look for in Star Wars, or a lot of um, films and. Uh, is escapism and feeling as though I'm immersed in the movie. So that that part of it, I I was completely satisfied with. I love the story arcs of the characters, especially Ray's. Um, I just love the character of Ray, and I really liked where her character went. And uh, I, I had a feeling that she was going to experience things that we had never seen before in the Star Wars universe, um, and we certainly did. There was elements of that movie that. I had, I never expected, and that that was, you know, the biggest thing for me. The amount of things in the movie that I I had never seen before. It was all new, and we had been. Ryan Johnson had told us months and months ago, this is going to be a movie that you've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, 
in the Star Wars universe. And that's what we got. And unfortunately, you know, some you know, some part of the fandom doesn't doesn't agree overall with with how it was um played out, how it played out. But um for me, I love the movie. I love all the characters, um the new characters, uh Holdo and um Rose. Um you know, she gave just a different this this aspect, you know, a a, a character that you know she was in the trenches, you know, working on these starfighters, and then she was given this opportunity to go on this adventure, and she made the most of it, and she was, um, you know, willing to do whatever it took to get to get the job done. And and uh, Luke, I mean, going back to what Brian was saying, I just read that Joseph Campbell article. I think it was on Din's, Din's blog. Din's blog. It's a Tumblr. And and it really. <laughs> Open my eyes. I'm dying to see that movie again. Um, it really hit home that whole character arc and how it, to the T, followed Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Um, it just, I mean, that part of it just means, I mean, I was getting emotional reading that article. Like, I don't know how I'm going to react watching the movie again because the first time around, usually when I see it, I'm absorbing it and it doesn't quite hit me as much. But usually the second time around, like the second time I saw TFA with Han and everything, I was just like hard to hold it back, you know. Um, but I think, I mean, I love this movie. I don't, I don't, I haven't necessarily ranked it in my own personal, you know, uh, rankings. But um, I just, I just really enjoyed it, you know, if you can tell. <laughs> a couple other things too is there was a huge payoff if you read the Princess. Uh, Princess of Alderaan right, book exactly. by Claudia Gray. Um, that the Holdo character, I lost it the second time. You know, watching the film, and you learn so much more about the character, and you understand why she's butting heads with, with Poe the whole time. Mm -hmm. Guys, yeah. this is legitimately was the funniest Star Wars movie oh, yeah. I think we've ever seen. Like, I was <laughs> in stitches, and my, and my son was you know between the the Porgs, and and for my money, I think the the Poe Dameron and, and Hux interaction, <laughs> yeah. where they brought in some of like our real world, like you know, can you hear me now thing mm -hmm. into Star Wars, and mm -hmm. it felt natural. And that was, it was just scene. yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, gut green milk. Um, oh my god, it's just yeah. I gotta, I want to see this movie multiple times. I, I think going back to the last couple films, I, I think I saw. I know we've talked about this as a as a group before too. Mm -hmm. Like most of us kind of prefer to watch it at home. Mm -hmm. You know, you know. I think I saw TFA like three times in the theater. I think I saw Rogue One in the theater three times. I've seen this twice. So I, I probably are gonna go at least four and uh just i can't wait to just digest there i think people will really appreciate the mastery of the story that ryan johnson told years and years after the fact mm -hmm. so i think this has a more it's people's instant gratification kind of thing chris did you see that thing going around recently on like i know it was on instagram i think people were you know, had the, the, the plot for The Empire Strikes yeah. Back and it was like, you know, or even talking about Return of the Jedi, mm -hmm. like, wow, they really, you know, Boba Fett, they really didn't give him a chance, yeah. you know, <laughs> you only had a couple seconds of, of film time and they didn't even explain the Emperor's backstory. I and, know. Ugh, I know. Garbage yeah. movies. Yeah, right? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's funny because, like, you compare, like, Snoke's screen time from TFA to, uh, I mean, you guys talked about it on mm -hmm. the latest um your conversation with Caden. Yeah. 
the amount of screen time for Emperor in the original trilogy compared to Snoke, it's like almost exactly the same. And that was over three movies. I think, like Brian said, this movie is going to have, people are going to be talking about this movie for a long time for good or bad i think there's way more positive in this movie than people are allowing um to be discussed but i think also too i think everyone's welcome to their their own opinion of it like i'm not i i will like i said it's my favorite movie out of all of them i'm not going to sit here and try to uh force somebody to appreciate it the way that i do it's just i know leaving that film i was just like yeah if I had the chance to watch, you know, it was my last day. Mm-hmm. I can only watch one Star Wars film before I go out. I'm picking that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, I feel the same way. Everybody, I I want to hear everybody's opinion. Um, I want to see what people think. And I want to have conversations. Like you, like we try to talk about on the network is positive, positivity and creating those conversations. I want to hear what you have to say. As long as you want to hear what I have to say, mm-hmm. we just talk about it. Just see what's, see. I want to hear what your problems are, because maybe we can work through them. But I don't know. know yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's it's a, it's a it's a valid point. You know, our message here has always been unity is community. Um, conversations don't go anywhere unless you open them up, and you start talking about them. If you just marinate on one idea and one concept the entire time. Not much is not much is going to happen in the community. James, I know you and I have had plenty of conversations when it comes to this film because you're somebody who feels a little bit different about this movie. There are certain elements that hit for you and then didn't hit for you. However, and and we talked about it consistently, that we understand each other where yep. we are cinematic in terms of our understanding of film and different aspects that work and what different aspects don't work. Yeah. So... For you, The Last Jedi was? I'm on a little bit different end of the spectrum here. Mm-hmm. Is I am so far on the fence about this movie, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciated it from a cinematic standpoint. I thought I thought the visual work, especially the collision of the two cruisers, that was an absolutely visually stunning scene. And I, I, I will also fully admit that I stopped breathing for a couple of seconds when that happened. <laughs> Um, there I don't were think points. There was even any sound. There wasn't. And it was fantastic. It was. Yeah. It was just that impact, and then it went to that black and white shot. And I literally, I was on the edge of my seat, and I was looking at the screen, and I was just like, "What just happened? <laughs> yeah. What am I looking at? I my brain hear. needs to process this. I'm not here right now. What's going on?" And for the most part, I'm not saying that I did not like the movie. It was not in my top three. It was not even in my top five. However. I have only seen it once so far. I do need to go see it again. And I'm going to explain why I feel this way about it. I felt that some parts of it were a little bit campy. I felt that some parts of it were rushed. There were parts of it that I felt had been altered and rewritten. And they were not rewritten to their full potential. I went into the movie with absolutely zero expectations. And with zero knowledge of what was going to happen. Because I put myself onto a social media blackout where Star Wars was concerned. For the last several months upcoming to the film. Um, I really liked the interactions between Rose and Finn. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that, that that's going to be an interesting storyline to develop. I liked the little teaser they tossed in there at the end about maybe a possible moving forward with Poe and Rey, and the fact that they are finally inter- introduced to each other, and the that tw- that twin sons thing when when Luke went out there, that I did get a little bit choked up there, and I may or may not have shed a couple of tears. Um, 
overall, it was not a bad movie. I, I just didn't. It didn't feel like a Star Wars movie to me. And I am going into it, watching it again this upcoming Thursday, with my head kind of wrapped around the fact that it's not supposed to feel like or like a Star Wars movie. It's you know, it's not a Star Wars movie like we've seen. It wasn't supposed to be a Star Wars movie like we've seen. Ryan Johnson's kind of doing his own thing. And I appreciate what he's doing. But I'm going to have to watch it another couple of times. Like you said, you saw Rogue One at least four times in the theater. When I first saw Rogue One, I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And I had to go see it another two, three, four yeah. times in theaters. And same thing with Force Awakens. Force Awakens, my initial opinion was, hey, look, it's a new hope with a bigger Death Star. And then I watched it again, and it was like, no, it's, you know... Kylo Ren attempting to outdo the previous iteration of his character and kind of trying to one-up Vader. And one of the things that I did appreciate is in Last in uh, Last Jedi, he, he, he achieved that, where he kind of became the ultimate, the ultimate bad guy. And I will say the Snoke thing, where, you know, you, you had this guy who was supposed to be this big bad, he was supposed to be the ultimate, you know, he's Kylo Ren's superior. We found out what he was, and that's unimportant. So, at this point, I mean, I think that Snoke's a non-issue, and I think that, I mean, I, I don't know if we're ever going to really find out where Snoke came from, or what he was, or who he was, but, uh... I, I I do like what they did with that at least, and I could have I could have picked a better way for Snoke to go out. I could have picked a, a little bit better you know better transition there instead of just he's there and then he's not. I want to ask, ask you one thing. That did lead to my favorite scene in the entire movie, which was the fight between Kylo Ren and Rey and the Praetorian Guard, oh, which was, was awesome. absolutely a fantastic scene. <laughs> So anyway, what was your question? I was going to say, too, because I know you have a lot of the background, especially with Legends and, and the Sith and the Rule of Two and stuff like that. I feel like this film almost gave us a chance to see what if Darth Vader had ever usurped the Emperor mm -hmm. and where I think even, even in the original trilogy, I don't think Vader would have been ready. Like, I don't think Kylo Ren was ready in this film. And he made so many mistakes and he got played right. like a fool by Luke. <laughs> and yeah, Luke was just kind of like... <laughs> So. <laughs> um, and I think that to me is an interesting aspect of, of the character because he's so I, I think and again I, I feel like we have talked about it previously even talking about the character of Kylo Ren from The Force Awakens is he, he's so dangerous because he's unpredictable and he's going to fly off the handle and we don't know what the time jump of this next film is going to be I, I highly doubt it's going to be a pickup right where it left off I think they'll let it marinate for a little bit you know you had like three years in between A New Hope and Empire it was about six months from Empire to Return of the Jedi, you know, give or take a little bit. So I'm thinking we're going to have at least a couple year time jump. And and I think the age of the actors will all work that well. But I, I think it's just interesting to see, like, how how Vader would have approached that had he been able to become the master. Well, Vader was, as Kylo Ren is, a loose cannon. Mm -hmm. And he did not have... When, when Anakin Skywalker became... Vader, he was still uh, um, he was still only a Jedi Knight. He was not a Jedi Master. He'd been through a lot, had trained a lot, but he still lacked that self-control. And when we read through the old Legends stuff, we see Vader gaining that control. But he's still a loose cannon. He's still a thorn in the Emperor's side as much as he helps him out and as much as he is the Emperor's apprentice. But Kylo Ren never got that. So he's going to be an ultimately more dangerous adversary than Vader ever could possibly have been. 
And if Vader had usurped the Emperor, yeah, he would have had the entire might of the Empire behind him, but I don't think that it would have changed the outcome. I think the Death Star still would have gotten blown up over Endor. Luke and Vader, you know, maybe what would have happened is Vader would have done something at the end there that, dis that dissolved the Empire. Who knows? Because who knows if Luke would have still turned him or not. But now we have an objectively more powerful force in the First Order run by an objectively less, well, objectively more chaotic leader. And that's going to be kind of an interesting plot development point for me. And I, I understand The Last Jedi is more or less just a setup for Episode Nine. And I'm really hoping that episode nine gives us that kick in the pants that we have, that we desperitally need right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. it's an interesting point, James. I think that you bring up a great point about Kylo Ren's um, instability. Um, he, like you said, he's a loose cannon right now. This guy is force ch choking Hux. Um, he just defeated Supreme Leader Snoke um, pretty quietly. I mean, he was able to cut this guy in half. Let me just say that scene where we see. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke and his tongue sticking out. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure about that one, Sean. Can, can I say but... something real quick? Yeah. I don't think we've seen The Last of Snoke. No. And I'll say I yeah. hope that we haven't seen The Last of Snoke. Because we saw with Rebels, Darth Maul got cut in half by Obi-Wan. Like, bisected completely. And he comes back. Who's to say the same thing couldn't happen with Snoke? I, I'd be interested to see if we end up getting a three-way power struggle here. Well, like, Snoke's like, you betrayed me. I'm going to take you out, and I'm still going to take the Resistance out while I'm at it. And Kylo Ren's just going to be like, nah, this is my house now. And the Resistance like, dude, what about us? So it's, it's going to be kind of interesting. I'd like to see if, if that actually ends up happening or not. Well, I was going to say, you know how uh, Snoke told... Kylo and Rey that they were both connected. They got connected again after he died. So how does that make sense? Yeah, going off of that, is that something that Snoke unlocked that or created that connection and do they now have that connection for good or did they always have that connection? I, but how, how, I did, how does Snoke know, know that though? That's, that's uh, my questions. question. Questions. I've already got a theory I'll, un I'll unleash <laughs> at some point, but same. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I think there's a real reason why there's a connection there, and I think J.J. Abrams is going to play in that sandbox. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that, why it's left open. Well, that's just it. I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a strong possibility still, and it could be something that he wanted to originally do in the editing process of The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And I think, although Ryan Johnson burned the village to the ground in a lot of aspects, I think he also hit the reset button for everything and yeah. changed our thought process of what's possible which i even which, alone which he does beautifully done with this movie giving the, people the, the thoughts there's of, even more possibilities of an endless galaxy far far away the last jedi truly was and the funny thing about the film i have to say is that the more i think about it and the more like seeing it the second time really made made a big difference in my mind um it's starting to grow on me a little bit the film is now starting to come around. I'm starting to understand some of the concepts. Where I do have some issues with the Finn and Rose plotline about how that worked into the film, I, that's a nitpicky thing 
Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I look at still, even after two viewings, is nitpicky stuff in the grand scheme a lot of what this nit- film is. nitpicky, though. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's how you have to see a lot I of mean, this. My problem was with Snoke and some of the, like, DJ was a useless character, for, for my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen the last of him, though. I mean, I hope I hope we don't. Yeah. But was, just, just in this film, he was completely useless. He was like, why... why why there? Mm. Arguably one of my favorite characters I in mean, the film, though. And I'm, I'm really hoping we see him come back. And that wasn't just, you know, a, a plot device that they used. And maybe he's going to be a recurring character. Because, mm. A, having Benicio Del Toro as a recurring actor in the Star Wars universe is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. And, B, having that particular character come back. I mean, it would be interesting to see if he comes back as a bad guy or a good guy. Because when they first had Han Solo in the original trilogy, he was entirely motivated by money. So right. maybe he's going to be the new Han Solo. Who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. And the, the overall message I just want to say, and I actually mentioned it. Jim, uh, I know you can't be here with us today. You had some other stuff. You're getting ready for a very busy season at work. So I said this to Jim the other night um, in a private message about The Last Jedi. And he told me to quote this line. I'm going to do my best, Jim, to try to quote the line that I actually sent you. But what I said was that Ryan Johnson has introduced us to a Star Wars universe that had never been previously nor ever will be explored again in its most intimate form. Going into that theater, I did not expect to have an intimate relationship with each plotline that was happening. Ryan Johnson was able to give us, the fans, an opportunity not to just bounce back and forth, even though some people say it's very chaotic how it bounces back and forth between different things happening. Exactly. I think it does work because it does give us an that's intimate what, that's relationship. That's what Looper did. Right. Especially going back and forth mm-hmm. really quickly, but it served a purpose. And I think that that's exactly what maybe, even though Canto Bite was not my favorite, and I thought it ver- felt very much like a Harry Potter scene, which has to be expected with Disney. I think You it, have to expect something for kids I, in there. I kind of liked it. I, I think it fit perfectly for Rose's character. Right, for Rose. I could see that. Yeah. You had to give her some background. You had to give her some story. And it, and it gave her who she who she becomes she was she hates the rich and all and but and she wanted all the creatures to be like oh right she had that mi- kind of mindset like of the of the people right she has probably the biggest heart out of any star wars character that we've seen so mm-hmm. far and yeah. saving her life for finn that she right. met for a few days mm. not even that's true yeah you, no, but you're you're saying James like that. I totally agree with you. Yeah, uh, there is a lot there with Rose that we don't see out of a lot of characters. Also, coming from like the inner depths, like a mechanic basically within the the Resistance, somebody who knows who Finn is, who's highly motivated by Finn, and seeing him try to escape on an escape pod was the h- biggest piece of motivation because obviously with her sister's death um, in the bomb squad yeah, that was trying to take out the Dreadnought with Paige exactly. Yeah. I think that that really motivated that character. And Rose and Paige alone, that relationship. It's, I know there's a new Scarlet Squadron. Especially in the book, with, but. with her necklace and what which served purpose for DJ, just a little bit of mm, him yeah. actually giving her a necklace back instead of stealing it. That's why I don't think we've seen the last of DJ. And I don't think he was actually a bad character. I do <laughs> think that he's going the Han Solo route where he was entirely motivated by money. And I think that instead of seeing him come back at the end of the movie, like we saw in A New Hope with Han Solo, 
we're going to see him come back in another part of the movie, in another movie, and he's going to kind of ease his way in. Maybe not as the next Han Solo, but at least as a recurring character, and at least that's that's what I'm hoping. I really love Laura Dern's character. <clears throat> Let's talk Absolutely. about Holdo. I think we have to talk about Holdo because not only, I know Brian mentioned it ahead of time, but her character was mentioned in the Princess Leia of Alderaan book, which a lot of people are complaining that the character that they read about in the book and listened to on audible and stuff is not the character that they got in the last jedi specifically which i actually tend to disagree with because i think that there is some there's some similarities in characters it's hard to go and take a character from novels and try to make them cinematic mm -hmm. it's hard to try to capture that in a specific character however laura dern does something we haven't seen before in the star wars universe not only does she have this kind of battle with princess leia but they have an understanding of what their role is, even at the same time. And, and I keep reflecting on it, Sean, that scene yeah. where we see Leia come out of her coma and yeah. she's standing there and pose like, she's, you know, basically she's back. And then he, she stuns him. And there's that conversation between her and Holdo. And I think that that just speaks true to not only who Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher playing that role, what she had to accomplish in this, but also to what the ultimate sacrifice of Holdo was. What she did to save the resistance to get them to and quit. She, in her mind, she didn't ha have to tell anyone. And, right. And that was Leia's purpose, not just to tell anyone so Poe doesn't stop her and what she excessively tries to do. And that was kind of stupid on his part, but... <laughs> right. Now, that, that scene as well also was extremely powerful for me because we got to see the first instance in any of the Star Wars movies where the captain willingly goes down with her ship or yeah. his ship or its ship. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's the first time that we've seen that. That's the first time that we've actually witnessed a character that you get this very short-lived but very intimate connection with make the ultimate sacrifice for what they consider the greater good. Mm. We see the Empire. It's like, you know, for, first with the first Death Star, shall I get your shuttle ready? Grandma off talking's like, oh, what did I remember to triumph? No. Absolutely not. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Rest in peace, Zach. All that. Yeah, it's great for you, Grandma Tarkin. Rest in peace. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, that's a whole other yeah. thing. No more traps. <laughs> that's right. I'm sure that Freddie Prince Jr. is gonna like that one because of his Fred character from Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. more traps, but no more. It's a trap. Sorry. No, it's, um, it's true. I but mean, that that scene too. Also, when the when the bridge exploded behind Leia. Okay, and I was what, like, what is your favorite scene, guys? I don't think we've talked about it. No, James, favorite scene for you? I have a a three way tie, and I cannot decide. Is one the fight between Rey and Kylo in the Praetorian Guard? Two, like I mentioned earlier, that absolutely visually breathtaking scene when the two cruisers collided and everything mm -hmm. just went silent. And the the thing for that was it wasn't so much the scene itself, but it's the effect that it had on the theater, where there was just a palpable everybody in the theater together held their breath everybody's heart stopped beating for a second everybody was just like what and the mm. third and final one was and and this is from the comedic point standpoint i wanted to say this earlier i like the fact that they kind of set the stage for the comedy part with k2so and rogue one mm. and they kind of built on that with mm. with this where there's this massive influx of laser fire from the atm6 walkers and then Luke just kind of like steps out of the cloud and just goes, oh yeah, brushes his shoulder off. <laughs> I don't mind. I'm just, just waiting for like Jay Z to start playing in the background. <laughs> I'm just like, if you're feeling like a pimp, come on, brush. You know what, Luke? Good, you just did it. <laughs> Sean, your favorite scene? Uh, I had uh, three as well. Of course, is the one the the space. <laughs> uh, my uh, my second one was actually one when Yoda came and 
I think that Scott said it was going to be the jaw-dropping moment. I think that was my jaw-dropping moment. It's like the thing I didn't expect full on puppet. Yeah. Instead of instead of all computerized and in a which I loved because it feels like an like a Empire Strikes Back with with Yoda and Luke Skywalker back in Dagobah and yeah. It, it totally reminded me of that. So that's why I loved it. And my the last favorite scene, I don't think anyone's going to say it is when Ray goes into the little hole thing and it's, it's very cinematic and, and it's all the, the mirror stuff and when she's about to find her about her parentage it's herself and it, yeah. that's my biggest like you need to know what it's gonna be like, yeah like, for yeah. for Ray's character right right and I it's so important for her for that character and that, that scene was it was all the the clones it's yeah the mirroring of her image I thought that was doesn't, that was a very, it doesn't matter what point of time it is it's all going to be who she is as a person and how it's going to build I thought that was a very very well done scene especially with the the visual aspect with the with the infinite reflections of Ray extremely well done but that scene just didn't have the impact on me that I thought huh. it was going to um it was it was a very yeah. important scene but it's just visually and emotionally that just didn't didn't hit me right in the spot it didn't make me laugh didn't make me cry didn't make me do anything like that and it didn't make me sit on the edge of my seat right and that was just like a all right good this is what we need to know scene yeah i think it's just me because the, the visuals and how the yeah hold the i can't disagree with you on that one at all and i'm a big visual guys fan but yeah i could see where visually that scene and and i can see where you're coming from james it wasn't yeah. a moment that would put you on the edge of your seat or even take you out of the film it's one of those scenes that you're kind of sitting there and you're trying to comprehend what you're watching like it's that, something that's, out that's of why, that's why i, I mean, really liked it this is why i want to go back and watch this a second time right. and i'd like to sit down sit back yeah. down with you after i see it the second time yeah and actually see if my opinions changed at all and i i believe our opinions will change after seeing it a second Absolutely. time because we both seen it once actually you, are you working on thursday <laughs> i'm not no i'm not i think we're doing a. yeah i think we got a studio session coming up but so we, maybe... we can do it after well no i'm gonna say if you guys are not working on thursday and you all want to go see it again we're making plans on podcasts i love this so why don't we do let's that let's do it let's do it Let's do it on it. Thursday, man. All right. All right. All right. Plans are this. made. Plans, Plans are made. made. So Now, Robin, what were your favorite scenes, <laughs> yeah. man? Come on. So I'm going to start from three to one. So my third favorite scene actually was the moment that you really enjoyed, which was the whole quiet moment of just Holdo putting that ship through hyperspace. I think that's everyone's the... favorite film. Yeah. I talked to people at work saying it's one of the best cinematic points in a film. I have to admit it was probably one of my favorite cinematic moments in Star Wars history because... And where there could be controversy, I can see where people are talking about the whole hyperdrive thing. Well, why haven't the, why isn't the resistance and the rebellion done this for for so long? Um, I think that's just Ryan Johnson trying to get used to the Star Wars universe, trying something new that he hasn't done yet. So I can see where a lot of that is, and that's an important important conversation to have going forward. My second favorite scene is the one with the mirroring. I love just that scene where Ray is just staring basically at the back of her head. She's looking around. And then you see the glass, and the first thing that I thought, looking through that mirror, was Luke is on the other side of that. It was, it looked like the silhouette of Luke Skywalker at first, and I was like, okay, he, okay, all right, I can, I can probably live with this now because I can see where this moment's leading to. It was a direct callback to Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes into the dark side cave, you could say, or the tree um, on Dagobah, and Yoda tells him the lightsaber you don't need to carry. 
Luke really did not want Rey to be carried to that place at that time. However, she went against the grain of what her master was telling her, and she decided to go there. But this time around, which I think is fascinating, she didn't get the answers that she wanted. Luke got a very different answer in Empire Strikes Back compared to what Rey received in this, which I think is telling of Rey's character. She's continually in conflict. Luke knew exactly what he was aiming for in that moment. And he foresaw Vader. Rey didn't see foresee anything at that moment. And still after about uh, Kylo Ren saying, I know his <clears throat> knew who your parents are, does she believe him or, or does she not believe him? That, and she's still conflicted right. about it. And I don't think she, she by the time the next one, I don't think she's going to uh, care. Right, I, I think that's she's what gonna, she's to gonna under, she's gonna understand why it's not important to her anymore. Yeah, and uh, James, I think one of the main things with that scene for me too is that we do have that interaction uh, interaction later on with Ren, and he says, "Well, your family was just scavengers." I kind of take a step back and I say, "You know what? After that scene about what we saw and obviously Ray sees herself through there, and then what Ren said." This could also be, not only did we see misdirection in the trailers, this could be a misdirection. Ren was trying to convince her as much as he could to get her to join him in that moment. Mm -hmm. So by telling her that her parents are scavengers, it, he's trying to give her no purpose whatsoever to continue on the path that she is with Luke Skywalker. Give her a reason to be part of Kylo Ren. I think that, again, Sean, like you said, James, you've said it to me on multiple occasions, we haven't gotten the full answer on who her parentage is yet. And whether they end up just being scavengers, I'm fine with that. Because that mm -hmm. question to me is null. There is so much other stuff happening in this film that is just so important. Because everything doesn't line. have to be connected. I mean, I mean, no. you can, but... Now, if, if you don't mind, I do yeah. have one one thing that I would, I would like to touch on. There has been a lot of talk on the online community about the Yoda scene. And people mm. have... And that's my favorite scene, too. So yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I, I really enjoyed that scene. And it yeah, was, so it was fantastic. all of us are on the same boat. A lot of people have been picking it apart. As how can a Force ghost affect the, the tangible world around it? And initially, I was going with with the opinion of, you know, that that was a little bit campy, and that was, you know, they, they threw that in there as a plot device, and I wasn't okay with that. Mm -hmm. But then I really got thinking about it. Is when a Jedi dies to become and becomes a Force ghost, that Jedi was an exceptionally powerful Jedi, and you have Yoda, who was arguably the most powerful Jedi Master ever to live. Pointing. And he has this whole history before even, you know, the prequels where he was teaching Jedi students for six, seven, eight hundred years before that. He was there when the Jedi was more than a monastic order. He watched the Jedi corrupt themselves and I fully believe that he knew what was going on. And after he communed with Qui-Gon and he, he got this whole Force Ghost thing going on, the Jedi becomes a part of the living Force. So there's absolutely no reason why we should think that they can't affect something else, a tree, a rock, yeah. a flower, what else, with their mere presence. When Obi-Wan's Force Ghost appears you know, on Dagobah in The Empire Strikes Back, twigs snap under his feet. You can dismiss that as 1970s cinematography, or you can consider the fact that the Force Ghost is a manifestation of the living Force, which is tying everything else together. There's no reason he wouldn't be able to heat up some molecules in the air, call some lightning down, and light a tree on fire. <laughs> yeah. He's freaking Yoda, dude. He can do anything. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. The whole laughing scene, and I have to admit, I'm glad you bring that up, James, because 
that moment for me, I mean, first of all, it starts off with the back of his head. And then we move around. Yeah, to the I, did, I didn't expect yet. to have him the whole whole thing. I thought no. it was just going to be just him. And from the backside, I said, oh, they're going to CGI it. They're going to CGI it. And then you just see that full shot of his face. And I'm like, this is where Frank Oz is at his best. They yeah. brought back the puppet. And I love the aura that they Before gave Before this to movie, him. I thought Frank Oz was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> Frank, we love you. We do love you, Seriously? Frank. Seriously? Yes, absolutely. And... Um, <laughs> I just love how Luke is at such a conflict about burning the tree with the books in it. And Yoda's like, oh, just... But then there's that teaser at the end where the books aren't actually gone. aren't actually gone. So we actually come out of that scene with more questions than walking in with it. Where are those books right now? Does Rey have them? Where are they? And what is she going to do with them? Is she going to unlock some stuff? That's the question. The tree's not important. doesn't matter where it's at. Just... It has to be present who's ever holding him or reading him. Right. It's part of what I really liked about this movie, and, and I do have my issues with the movie, and I'm hoping that the second time watching it turns us around, but to all of you people who are out there selling your stuff and saying that star, you're done with Star Wars, you're being petty. You're being absolutely petty. This movie raised more questions than it answered, yeah. and that was a fantastic way to get the rest of the populace. Did the prequels do that? This. No. No, they did not. They had the high ground. <laughs> but um, the uh, this is a fantastic way to get the rest of the 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 Star Wars fan base to want to go back and see Episode Nine to see mm-hmm. what questions get answered. Do more questions get raised, and where are we going to go with this? And, and from that standpoint, Ryan Johnson did a fantastic job. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I think that's what he was trying to get for. And I don't, the prequels didn't want, ask any questions to go go see it again, even though I I only saw uh, Revenge of the Sith in, in theaters, and I didn't really want to go see it again in theaters. Because the only that, reason I watched it again was that Mustafar duel scene because that was fantastic. That was, that was the <laughs> best part of the prequel. And, that, and that the scene. opening scene over over Coruscant. That was cool. Yes. But the rest of the movie, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the overall thoughts coming out of The Last Jedi, no matter how many viewings you have, is that Ryan Johnson introduced us to the Star Wars universe like never seen before. This is why, and I and I still, it's amazing to think this, this is why this guy got three films while Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy were sitting on the flight to the European premiere of The Last of the Force Awakens. This is why they made that decision then, was because, yeah, this guy knows not only how to write different films, but he's even able to create conversations no matter if they're negative or positive. Coming out of this film compared to The Force Awakens, we're all on such different wavelengths yeah. about different things, but that's the point is to have continual conversations and to keep Star Wars relevant the entire time. Ryan Johnson did that perfectly. That's why The Last Jedi is a success in its, and in its that's deepest what, That's why I'm excited for, for him to write new three installments. I don't know what to expect from him. I, even after this, he can do literally what he wants. And this is why I've watched Force Awakens probably 15, 20 times at this point. And I've seen Phantom Menace literally twice because it just was not worth watching again for me. Mm. So I will applaud Ryan Johnson for that as making making Star Wars extremely watchable, rewatchable, and making it something that the fan base can actually connect to and get into. He's got almost a Lord of the Rings depth following now with this, just as a director for Star Wars. Now, James and Sean, one of the big things for me going forward, I know Chris and Brian probably feel the same way on this one too is that jj abrams 
obviously has foreseen a lot of the stuff that was happening with The Last Jedi. He was obviously seeing the script that was being built. Mm -hmm. He knows where a lot of this is going. Just recently, he proposed his yeah, entire script for Episode Nine to Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger and said, this is the plan. Now, this is the first time that I've heard coming out of a Star Wars film that the next script is ready to go. That means that in my book, and be curious to hear what you two think, that means that probably and most likely J.J. Abrams had that script ready halfway through The Last Jedi, and he knew exactly what he was going to do wrapping up this trilogy. James, your thoughts on that? I can't disagree with that, and I, I just knowing and being a huge fan of J.J. Abrams as a director, I, I fully, fully believe that he had the script written and ready to go while they were still filming The Last Jedi because he already knew it was going to happen. He knew it was going to be going on. And I think that with him wrapping the trilogy up and help and uh, and helping out with that and and just oh my god, dude, I can't I can't even speak right now. I'm, I'm so excited for this. But it, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they already had it ready to go, hypothetically, allegedly, I think that they're going to be able to take their time and they're going to be able to a have it out on schedule so that we get the Han Solo story this year and then we get the movie, we get Episode Nine the next year, and we don't have to wait. You know. Six six years in between movies, I'm really looking forward to this, and I think it's going to be fantastic. And I have absolute faith in them to to pick the pick the trilogy up and uh, to to have this be a far more successful venture than the the uh, the prequels. Yeah. Because Jim, I agree with you on the prequels; they were garbage <laughs> movies, and I know I give you crap for that all the time, but I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm very excited for. Episode 9, even though after watching this, I think J.J. Uh, Abrams is not going to rewrite the script again. I think he's going to stick with where... I think he's very confident where he's going to... Like you both said, he he knows what, what the ending is going to be like. And I think... I don't... I hope he doesn't rewrite it because if he, I hate when it's like rewriting stuff and it makes stuff worse, I think. And we, we, we've seen that with, with Rogue One a little bit after the rewrites and reshoots and all that. But I'm very excited to see what J.J. Abrams is going to bring to the table. He's going to bring a different element to it. I think for the first time, um, I know there was a lot of controversy. There were a lot of opinions when they announced that J.J. Abrams was going to take on Episode Nine. Remember, Colin Trevorrow was originally going to be scripting Episode Nine here. And they said, nope, because I think Colin Trevorrow read Ryan Johnson's script. And he, and he did not like where he was going with it. He has a certain cinematic way of telling stories and closing out stories. And I think what they said was, we like the magic of J.J. Abrams. Think about Star Trek Beyond. Oh, what absolutely. he was able to do with that, to bring Star Trek back into the cinematic universe for that time period, just for even just a I mean, a I'm, not, I'm not even going to touch on the fact that J.J. Abrams is doing both Star Trek and Star Wars, because there's probably a few people who are like having a conniption at home about this. <laughs> so I think that bringing him back for Episode Nine and taking Trevorrow off the bill actually allows Star Wars to go forward and say, you know what? Now we've got Solo in between. We can really start focusing on doing trilogies and having these smaller films in between. Because Star Wars will become the yearly event for fans. It'd be, and it's going like, to make it it'd much be, more It would be kind of like Marvel, but with less. Yeah. With kind less of like Marvel, Marvel with better movies at this point. <laughs> no, I mean. right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Marvel. I mean, some yeah. of the movies did do stink, but... Winter Soldier. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. I feel like we could have a whole conversation yep. on different Captain America and Iron um, Man and whatever else uh, films at that point. But I think the overall thoughts here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network and everybody here is that The Last Jedi, where it does meet its criticisms in certain areas and where it does have its really high, high points and we love everything that's happening, mm-hmm. its goal was to continue on to Episode Nine. Ryan Johnson's goal was to build these characters up so that in episode nine, it closes out with a bang. And I think, again, the magic that J.J. Abrams brought at the first with Force Awakens to jumpstart everything that's happened, to close it out with that is not only going to put closure on some of our characters and their journeys, I feel, but is also going to jumpstart future conversations and what's going to be happening because Disney has plans for Star Wars for Mm. quite some time. So it's like 2030 now. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's crazy. So I think that the plan going forward is that, you know what, we like this format. We like what we're getting here. And as much again, I'm going to keep saying it as much criticisms as this film takes and as much high points as we continue to talk about that are just fantastic moments in this universe. It is important to reflect on it as yet another step in this universe Mm -hmm. for another conversation and yet another day of Star Wars discussions. I have one further thing that I'd like to touch on here. Go for it. The astral projection thing. Ah, I knew you were going to bring that up. We have to talk about it. And I don't like to use the term astral projection because I don't want to think that, I don't want people to think I'm talking like Dungeons and Dragons type crap that's going on here. (laughs) Because that's that's not what's going on. And I have a theory following behind that that I'll get to first, but I, I want to know what you guys think first is, A, we've never seen a Force ability like this in the Star Wars universe. We've never seen somebody able to project an image of themselves across the galaxy from one point to another and be able to control what that image does without the usage of technology. This is completely unprecedented. And I'd like to know what you guys think about that. Astro projections were in Star Wars Legend. They were within there. It was an ability yeah. that took a lot of time of development, took a lot of practice, and was something that could only be achieved at the highest peak of Force ability. Now, my theory on this, and I'm going to propose it now, I think this is yeah. going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. James, I know you're the guy who loves to talk about this kind of stuff. Mm. I totally believe that Luke's ability to use astro projection <laughs> To put himself in that moment, ultimately sacrificing himself to the Force through the use of this ability is something that Obi-Wan learned from Qui-Gon Jinn and was passed on through time. And Qui-Gon Jinn was the one who was able not only to figure out the Force ghost piece, but how a transition into becoming a Force ghost can take on multiple spectrums. That you can do it this way, you can do it this way, or you could do it this way. Giving yourself up to the Force. And I think... In a way, Obi-Wan Kenobi did that. Obviously. We saw that. Mm-hmm. He gave himself up to Vader, disappeared, became a Force ghost. Maybe that there is some connection there to what Luke was able to do. But in terms of the projection piece alone, I think Ryan Johnson has opened up a conversation that not only speaks to the new canon and this ability, but also reflects upon, yeah, a little bit of fan service. We know yeah. you guys in Star Wars Legends know about this ability. We're going to toss it in there for you, and you can have a whole conversation about it. I think that's where it sits with me specifically, James. And I think the whole Legends piece, I think, is very fascinating because we were wondering, was there going to be any mentions 
you know, slowly but surely, the introduction of Grand Admiral Thrawn, a lot of these Star Wars Legends characters are now starting to come back into canon in terms of mentions. I know, that's, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But Sean, I think, and James, the important thing is here is that they're pulling from different areas and they're restructuring it as something new mm -hmm. and something different, which as fans is what the conversation is all built upon. So I think to answer your question, James, I think ask this whole idea of projecting yourself in a moment in time and therefore giving yourself up to the Force through this ability is the ultimate sacrifice that a Jedi can do at that moment, at that time. And for the character of Luke, it's perfectly with what his message is in The Last Jedi. I am going to do what I can. The Jedi must end. Mm -hmm. This is where he's leaving it with Rey. I will agree with that. Now, my, my theory concerning this whole astral projection thing was... We saw the beginnings of that because Luke's raw force power was apparent from the very beginning. Right. And when he's hanging underneath Cloud City and his hands off and he's like, oh, Leia. And she's like, Luke, holy crap, there's Luke. And she knows where he is. That's where you see the beginnings of that. And yeah, we saw the astral projection through Legends. It's completely unprecedented in modern, modern, uh, well, mod not modern, but contemporary the movies era. Um, but at that point, we're also seeing the Jedi and the Sith as watered-down versions of what they used to be. Mm. When you had Sith ma masters like Nagasato and Exar Kun and all of them, mm. they had these massive tombs that their ghosts, their version of the Jedi's Force ghosts, their Sith specters still inhabit. And those specters can affect the tangible universe around them. Those specters have killed multiple people who have tried to go into those tombs. If you ever played the Knights of the Old Republic video game, you end up having to fight like 17 yeah. force ghosts every time you go into the friggin' tomb. Uh -huh. It's fun. Um, but you you have these, these Sith Masters who were able to project images of themselves, who were able to communicate with their subordinates, who were able to control their subordinates through this. So my theory is this was originally an ability that was developed by the Sith. And mm. we'll notice that Luke never actually touches Kylo Ren. It's never. True. And there's no actual physical contact there. And I think that Luke, yes, well, he is at the absolute pinnacle of his power. He's at the moment where his star burns brightest and burns shortest. And this is his last act of defiance against the dark. Because he realized that he still has that dark inside of him. That's his act of selfless sacrifice. And him not being fully dark, it consumed him. And it consumed what power, what life force, and what ability he had left. And that is how he gave himself over to living force. And that's really what's going to carry this universe forward is the discussions that involve Luke Skywalker, Sean, the discussions that involved the all these different new aspects of the Star Wars universe. I never thought coming out of The Last Jedi that I would be coming out with more questions and more theories than ever thought before. Gone! <laughs> Leia, Leia, Leia using the Force, though. That's another question I had. Yeah. Like, it kind of confused me. Like, I know she, everyone has the Force, but... Not everyone can use it, though. Right. And that Leia, Prince of Alderaan, kind of touches upon a little bit of her beginning in Bloodlines, that people are concerned about her and her relationship to Vader, obviously being the daughter, that her Force abilities could actually be more destructive. We see that with Ben Solo more than herself. 
However, James, and I know your your brain is going yeah. off here and you want to say something. I'm going to hold you back for one second here. But I think Leia's ability that was shown in this film, where some people thought it was a little cheesy and they thought that it's, it's a little bit like Mary Poppins. She's floating back in there. However, I think the way that they that she uses it is so telling, not only to how powerful her lineage is, but what Anakin actually in blood was able to give to both of his kids, James. Now, we can't forget the fact that Anakin Skywalker is the prodigal son of the Force. He was mm -hmm. conceived of the Force by the Force and for the Force. The chosen one. He was the quote-unquote chosen one, which is a subject of some debate. But, more importantly, he is a Skywalker. Luke is a Skywalker. Leia is a Skywalker. I don't think that she has ever, before that point, used the Force tangibly. She gets sucked out into the vacuum of space, which is one of the most traumatic things that can happen to the human body. And I think that in that moment, something clicked, and that Skywalker DNA just went... This can't end this way. This is wrong. I am still needed. And she reached her hand out, and she touched the Force, and she brought herself home. That's my theory on that. I don't think that she'd ever used the Force ability, and I would I would encourage... The, the Force uses her. Instead right, the of... Force used her. She did not use the Force. I would seriously just... For, for anybody who's listening right now who actually hasn't read it, there was a book that came out in the 1980s called Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and it is decanonized now, but it touches on that exact same thing. And it's an interaction between Luke, Leia, and Vader before, in between Empire and, uh, and Jedi, before Luke finds out that Leia is his sister, before Vader finds out that Leia is also his child, before any of that. And it is... It is incredible, and it touches on the fact that Leia has some seriously untapped latent force potential, and I think that's what we saw happen there. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that would ring true to not only, obviously, we see the tribute to Carrie Fisher at yeah. the end of the film, which was absolutely emotional. And that Luke and Leia scene, which I bowled out oh. like crying. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> and you have to think and, about and, that and she, too. And I think... It, she was the only one that knew that he was not there there. That's another point. <laughs> That's another point is that obviously he wasn't there there at that moment. But obviously in the through Leia, she was able to really feel his, his presence at that moment. And they were really able to get a sense, or specifically Leia was, that her brother is her, there in that moment. And just the whole yeah. the, the thing about, well, you notice my hair. I thought that that was perfect because that's where the Skywalkers are. Yeah. They're still a family. They're still united by their blood. And you're right, James. I think in that moment, Leia was truly not necessarily reaching out the Force, but the Force came to her mm -hmm. and said, you know what? Your brother's still alive right now. You ain't going yet. The Skywalkers are still going here. Um, which I think obviously affected their choice no, absolutely. Um, at the end of this film about where they were going to head. But The Last Jedi, man, I'm telling you, we're going to have a lot more conversations coming up 
when it comes to this film. Big thank you to Krypton Comics for having us come in the team basically on uh, the holiday weekend to come in here and have this conversation. Yeah. So please make sure if you're in the area, please make sure to come on down, support your local business, uh, support your local comic book shop, pick up some of this awesome, awesome stuff here for your family, for your loved ones, and for those Star Wars geeks or comic book geeks in your life because it's a really, really great place and we love doing everything here at krypton comics and pop culture well well guys i think it's that time of the show i think it's a little thing we like to call plug, plug time. time that's right plug time here from the brickcityblockade.com podcast <clears throat> network james brown where can the good people find you across social media you can find me on facebook at that uh, actually sorry it has changed this voice over acting 1212 and you can find me on facebook there you can also find me on youtube as uh the same channel and there are a couple of things going up there this week i'm also going to be having a blog that is going up and more information to follow on that's going to have a couple of articles regarding this latest movie and uh what's going on there i'm going to be getting opinions i have a whole list of questions i'm going to be sending out to the rest of the podcast crew and uh, including you caden uh, Jim, uh, Jared, I'd like to get your opinions on it as well. Uh, some questions for me that were unanswered, and I'm going to be incorporating that into an article that's going to be going up there and kind of kicking that page off. So you guys will be able to find me there as well, and more information will follow through Mr. Vote here and through the uh, Brick City Blockade Star Wars Network, Star Wars Podcast Network website. You guys can find me on Twitter at ShamanShow1. Follow my Instagram. It's ZonesZ. I'll follow my music on Bandcamp. 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 And SoundCloud at Zone Z. A new album coming out soon, uh, probably early February. Um, uh, Friend me on Facebook and follow everyone else on on Facebook, Twitter, all all that junk. All all the junk, whatever you want to call it. You rebel scum. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets. Please make sure to head on over. Follow me on Instagram at TheOfficialVote. Also, please make sure to like the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network page on Facebook. Head on over to Twitter. Follow us at BrickCitySWPC and head on over to www.BrickCityBlockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. And also, please make sure to head on over to iTunes. Hit that subscribe button and also make sure to rate the shows. That is what brings on the epic guests. That's what brings on Caden Stetler of Rebel Chatter, Rebel Cause, Lancaster. We're so excited to welcome them onto the network. You'll be seeing a lot more from them in the near future. A lot of great guests coming, so please make sure to do that. Make sure to hit that button as many times and share it out as many times as you can in a galaxy far, far away. Thank you guys for listening here to the BrickCityBlockade.com <laughs> podcast network show here live from Krypton Comics. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And may the force be with you. May the Always. Force be with you. May the force be with you guys. And also. ask a question like that. Of course I'm getting ready for Christmas. It's all right here on my list. I've got mistletoe and holly. I've got peppermints and lollipops and 20 different kinds of chocolate bars. Everyone will be delighted. Even I am quite excited.